0: you're sure to find your next closet go to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American Giant.com, code STAPLE20.
1: Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast.
2: Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference
0: that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, It might be like one of
1: those eight wonders of the world, <laughs> And you can
0: see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sunbelt these days.
2: Very excited about the Sun Belt.
0: We started the Sun Belt uh, back in '76, and I'm I'm very proud of what has transpired through the years. So while other conferences have been
2: breaking up, our conference has become stronger.
1: Edit that out, Dusty. Welcome back to another episode of Fun Belt Podcast. My name is Jeremy Harper from powerazer.com. With me is Dusty Thibodeau from the Warhawk Report and Ben Moore from Panther Talk. And we're going to talk about Sun Belt basketball. We're going to talk a little NSD. And then we have a, a surprise guest. I'm not going to say who it is now, but when you hear him, you're going to come along. And that's the only clue I'm going to give you for now. We're going to wait for when he arrives to the green room to bring him out, and then you'll know too but you'll be just as shocked and surprised as us that he agreed to be on this show. Dusty and Ben, how are you guys doing today?
0: Great, man. I'm, uh, right. I'm good. It's, uh, it's a little chilly in Atlanta, um, yeah. especially for Atlanta's sake. Um, anybody that calls it hot Atlanta, uh, I have serious issues with. Uh, we, we tried to stamp that out when the Super Bowl came in a couple of years ago, tried to educate. That's what we're here to do, Jeremy, right? Uh, I know it's good, and uh, the, the Panthers uh, on, the, on the hardwood have won three of four, so uh, we, we'll, we'll get to the hoops take here very shortly, but um, yeah, things are are pointed upward, we'll say, in Atlanta.
1: Well, Ben, you, you said that we're here to educate, and you're absolutely right. In fact, we need to start applying for those same government educational grants as PBS gets. We want that PBS cheddar. Dusty Thibodeau. Tell us how things are going on on your side of the woods. 2-0 and over
2: the weekend for basketball on the men's side. Ooh. What more could you ask for? But I will say this. I think the bigger story, other than ULM getting the sweep over the weekend, yeah, Norchado beer is a freak, pure <laughs> and simple. And, and I had guys hitting me up on Twitter and text messages saying, you'll talk about the conference. Does everyone understand how much of a freak – He really is. And and by that, looking even at the one ULM game, 23 points in his double-double. Okay, kind of a standout. 26
1: rebounds. Well, you may not know this, Dusty. Uh, I took a little Spanish in high school and about a semester in college. And it's not widely known, but Norchad O'Meara, loosely translated from Spanish to English, is "rebound." I don't know if you understood that or, or if anybody really has an understanding. In fact, don't fact check us on this or don't Google it, but I'm telling you, Norchad Omir equals rebounds. And yeah, he that 26 rebounds was an arena record uh, set by Norchad Omir. But what was, what was depressing is that he set an arena record for rebounds, hit those 23 points, and somehow the Red Wolves took the L- Against ULM, which was 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 which, which was quite disheartening, but it really did provide a little bit of fire for the Red Wolves for the next game against Louisiana. They really stepped up their defense, found some help for Norchad Omir, who only had eight points and seventeen rebounds in that second game. So uh, you, you know, sometimes you got to lift a brother up, and they lifted up Norchad Omir on Saturday after a thoroughly embarrassing. Loss to the ULM Warhawks. I don't think it's as embarrassing
2: as the loss that Little Rock suffered to ULM where they're down three and the Uh guy drives the lane. And ULM, aware of that situation, clears the lane and lets him. And then he like airballs the layup. (laughs) Because he realized, oh shit, this isn't enough points.
1: Well, I don't know. Maybe he was hoping to get the and one.
2: Quite possibly, but yeah, that didn't work out so well for him.
1: You know, that was the game plan when uh, Oh, Mitcha Chickalicka Chickalicka hit that three-pointer for ULM and put the Warhawks up by one. The plan was to draw that foul. How'd that work out for you? It didn't. It didn't work out. No, it was depressing. There was some questions regarding the strategy around that questions posed by me and ignored by everybody, but, but it, was, uh, it, was, it was devastating. But let's, talk, let's stop talking about the fortunes of ULM because who cares about the
3: Warhawks?
1: And let's not talk about the devastation suffered at the hands of the Warhawks that the Red Wolves had to endure. Let's talk about the surging Panthers. Winners of three and four suddenly coming on strong, hitting three-pointers, making people look silly almost losing, almost allowing South Alabama to come back. I was watching that game. I, I tell you, South Alabama, very dangerous when they finally get their strokes. That's their problem, though, is that they seem like they have a hard time finding the stroke. Where did you see, uh, Ben Moore?
0: Yeah, uh, it, it was uh, about a strong offensive first half that I've seen this season out of Georgia State, uh, followed by probably the worst uh, second half that I saw, the uh, the Panthers went nearly nine minutes without a made basket. Um, just to let you know, you have to make baskets to win. This is this is not breaking news. Yeah. Uh, no means here on the Fun Belt Podcast. Uh, they were aided, obviously, by some free throws and and hit free throws there to uh, to to have that. Um, as Georgia State's actually going the right way, winning three out of four. South Alabama's going the wrong way down the standings, three out of four of their their losses and. Um, they have uh, you know some cracks certainly and they've done that a couple times this year where you have uh, as we have kind of said pretty much you know for weeks they're very talented they've got high major transfers um, whether it's a chemistry thing whether it's guys not fitting in their roles because this is the bottom line you you really have three more weekends in regular season and then it's hey we go to everyone goes to Pensacola and and, uh, sort things out right for the automatic bid so um, I, I think this is the time where you want to see teams and keep an eye on some teams that are playing well, that are playing consistent. Um, and, and one of those teams I think uh, certainly is the Troy Trojans and uh, they're going to be scary. And I, I think right now um, it's, it's probably a two man race for coach of the year with Dustin Kearns at app state and, and uh, Scott cross at Troy for that. And, and you mentioned North chat a little bit earlier uh, if he's not Player of the Year this year, I'll be stunned. He, he's putting up just ridiculous numbers, and and you know, no matter what happens in the next three weekends, um, I still expect him to play ridiculously well. I mean, I'm looking at his stat line right now. I mean, dude, dude is 66% from the field, 12, 12 boards a game, um, you know, 17 points a, a night. Uh, he's a problem. <laughs> he's a problem, and it's not yeah. like six eleven or seven foot. He, he's he's six seven all man.
1: Yeah, he's a big guy. I mean, broad-shouldered, uh, uh, just a, a kind of a load. But what he's really done this year, as opposed to last year, is he he sort of added a couple of shots. He added a, a mid-range jumper and sort of a little soft baby hook that he didn't have last year. And that's what's made him so dangerous this year. Is that that? And he he for the most part avoids foul trouble. He didn't avoid it this week, but for the most part, he does. But I thought what you said about Troy was was interesting. You're t- or e- e- even a little bit before that, you said you got to look out for the teams that are playing hot now. And some of those teams are a little surprising given the lack of activity or lack of results that they've had early on. Panthers are one of those teams. ULM goes on the road and gets two wins. They're one of those teams. In fact, I had, had counted ULM as being just completely out of the running there with Little Rock. They looked really good. I think having Harrison back uh, makes a big difference. Uh, another one of those teams that, that kind of started slow but seems to have found something is Texas State. Of all the teams we've mentioned, I find Texas State being one of the more intriguing. What do you guys think of Texas State?
2: Able to down the leading Mountaineers over the weekend. I think that
0: they're they're still a sleeping giant and still haven't really found themselves to know. Um, we, we forget that Texas State won the regular season last year, right? They, they, we had the Sunbelt West, Sunbelt East split. Uh, they, they took the, uh, the COVID title uh, there in, in 2020. Um, and uh, they've been impressive and, and have returned a lot. And, and as we've seen from a lot of the preseason top, I'd say three or four teams, they everyone seemed to have started out a little bit slower, uh, whether it was COVID pauses, and they certainly have dealt with it as well. Um, to, to finally got to get in their sea legs now when you look at the teams that have experienced depth and experience in their starting lineup, guys that have been through it. Um, i remember app state had to had to, um, you know four seniors and four juniors basically in the, in the eight that they play. Um, you know the panthers the same way you have four seniors out there five starters that, so you're starting to see seniors realize hey this is it, this is it for my legacy this is it for my college career. they may or may not have pro opportunities next. Um, so you want to see those teams kind of play well, uh, and and other teams that honestly need to turn it on uh, as, as seating kind of gets a little bit more clump. What's just more amazing is we're sitting here uh, the sixth you know, of February, and there's two games in the loss column between eleventh and first.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is tied up. It is 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 a completely any man's ball game. For the Sun Belt, I'll tell you about, about Texas State. That Caleb Asbury, to me, is a legitimate star uh, with the ball in his hands. I mean, it, this year has kind of been funny to me, Dusty Thibodeau, in that in years past, I've ha- I always kind of had trouble figuring out who the stars of the Sun Belt were. They None of them really stood out to me. There'd be a couple. they go, oh, yeah, that guy could be counted to score a lot of points. That guy can be counted to, to dig up a lot of rebounds. This year, it seems like there you could name – you know, nine or ten guys that are just really good basketball players. What do you think of the talent level this year? I know the, the Sun Belt is sort of just kicking each other's ass and maybe not, may not be the best basketball league uh, out there, but there is some really entertaining, entertaining star power. There are. And I think the biggest
2: disappointment, honestly, has been South Alabama. That is yep. a, a transfer all star team and they just can't get it together. And so, getting swept this weekend against the Georgia schools. They were getting blown out by Georgia Southern in that first half, I think down by as much as 15 before really making a game of it there in the second half. Do y'all feel that that South Alabama is done for and and not really going to be the noisemaker we thought they were going to be?
1: You know, they, last time I checked, and this might've changed after the last two games, uh, uh, South Alabama had two of the five top scorers. Uh, I think it was Manning and, and JJ, and the guys can score. They've got a three-point point guy out there. His name slips my mind, who's just a dynamite. But I was, you know, I was kind of chatting with Ben during that game with uh, the Panthers, Now I saw it ha- the same thing happen to them with Troy the week before, is that they just get buried by these, these big leads from their opponents, and then they have to dig out. And, and it's scary when they're digging out. Because they start hitting balls and start playing defense, so I I don't know. I I don't know if you can count them out, uh, Dusty Thibodeau. But I will tell you this: you can't look at them and say they're a top-tier team in the Sun Belt.
2: Not at all. Surprisingly, though, this weekend only one cancellation and not COVID-related. Yeah, the big freeze of 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 the Mavs. The Mavs lost their game there against Coastal Carolina due to freezes in the area but UTA took it on the chin from the Mountaineers are they maybe having already peaked and on their way down in the standings as well
1: oh absolutely you know I was watching a little I didn't watch the game I started monitoring it they were up by 10 against Appalachian State at half and I was I was kind of knowing Appalachian State they don't just light up the scoreboard so I was like, okay, well, this might be a game that Appalachian State loses and Appalachian State in Appalachian State fashion found a way to win. It's
0: just experience, guys. I mean, ultimately, you, you know how to, you know, there's winning habits and there's losing habits. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it last week where, you know, you have, and guys, uh, I think uh, Jeremy may have retweeted me or not, um, but said, uh, you know, bad teams do dumb things to lose. You know, you, you give the ball away, you take poor shots, early in the shot clock, or you don't move the ball. And this is the time of year where, uh, again, you're seeing, you know, this is when you should see the cream rise to the to the top because they're realizing, hey, March is almost here. We only have four, five, six games left uh, before the tournament. That's out of every single coach's mouth. Hey, you want to be playing your best basketball when you're walking into the tournament, and you want that opportunity. Um, and we know certainly that seeding is important because of the matchups, I believe. I mean, there's – there's teams that, you know, I know teams will look at and say, hey, I don't want to see them again. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, as much as the, the uh, you know, exhale that happened uh, yesterday in the Georgia State Sports Arena, uh, I, I was joking, uh, that's probably the last time that I'd love to see South Alabama. They are very long. They're very potent. Uh, when they put the 2-3 zone in there, um, they locked the Panthers up. I mean, at one point, I think the Panthers were 4-for-20 from the field. I mean, that's that's not something you want ever. So, um, you know, I, I, I wish South Alabama well and, and hope we don't see them again.
1: <laughs> you know, you did mention something uh, interesting, too, that we just sort of glossed over, uh, Ben. Uh, we're, we're talking about who might be coach of the year. And you mentioned Kearns, Coach Co- Kearns. And, and I tell you what, I don't know if he's coach of the year. I, I, I do know he would be top, you know, two or three. I don't know I, if he gets coach of the year, he deserves it. But I tell you what, those fans in Appalachian State love Coach Kearns. I mean, they are all in on what Coach Kearns is doing, and and, and have put him on a, a, a almost godlike pedestal up there or over there in Boone. Uh, I I'm impressed with the guy. I <clears throat> uh, what he's done with that team is 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 lights out, especially when it comes to defense, and then overcoming that ten point deficit against UTA, which UTA, you're right. There's something going on with UTA. It seems like David Azori is the only guy that you can really worry about. Uh, that Their little five-game or, or, or big-game win streak that they had at earlier the year seems more and more like a big, big fluke. Uh, I don't think we can – listen, I'm the guy who said you can't count on ULM anymore. I, I'm, I'm about to say you can't count on UTA. I don't feel like UTA is going to be a threat anymore. In fact, uh, Arkansas State has a four-game road trip. And I mentioned everybody about how tough those games are going to be, except for UTA. So I'm already dumping disrespect on UTA. Probably, probably I will get bit on the ass for that. But I really, Dusty, I don't think UTA has any more anything left. I think they spent it all at the beginning of the conference play.
2: I think so too. I think when they caught everyone down with the COVID uh, limited rosters, I think that was kind of their Achilles' seal, Was that uh, they were they were full strength. Everyone else was not. And now that Arkansas invades Alabama this upcoming week to play Troy and South Alabama, I think Scott Cross is going to make a name for himself in that Coach of the Year award. I think the Trojans are going to wind up beating Arkansas State and Little Rock to complete the sweep this week.
1: I guarantee you they're going to beat Little Rock. I don't know about Arkansas State. It depends on what Arkansas State you're going to get. But I want to know a little bit about ULM. They got Harrison back. They're playing a lot better with him. Do they have a shot at, you know, making a little bit of a roll? Where are Louisiana schools going next?
2: They host the Texas schools, so they'll have Texas State and UTA. Mm,
1: yeah, big games for Texas State.
2: I think they can split that because I think, like you said, the UTA games, uh, UTA might have already peaked in the season, and so I think that that would be a good win. I think any win is, at this point in the season is a good win. But I think ULM can get the win over UTA. Texas State, I feel like it's going to be a battle. They could win it. They could get blown out just as easily.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And you were talking about Arkansas State coming against the Alabama teams. Troy, and, and your favorite team, Ben, South Alabama, who you want to play every week. Um, yeah, I'm worried about that too. I mean, and, and then after that road trip, they go on another road trip to Texas where they'll meet the Bobcats and our new best, our new favorite punching bags, UTA. And, uh, you know, that looks like a, a good way to lose three out of four games. But, uh, but like I said, uh, you know, there's there's something that, that happened after that ULM game where Coach Bellotto kind of took the team uh aside and said hey listen you guys don't need to be losing at home to the warhawks you guys need to win this game because if arkansas state wins that game it's arkansas state in first place right now and they they just blew that in front of a home crowd which was just kind of shocking and deflating but the fans came out on saturday has a raucous crowd Everybody likes playing, you know, You as, as Jay Walker once told us, everybody is uh, uh, everybody is the Cajuns' uh, 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 arch rival. And sure enough, a lot of our fans feel that way too. A lot of guys came over. The beer was flowing like wine, and it was just an electric atmosphere. So I feel like the fans are finally getting behind this team sort of understanding what they've got. Desi Seals finally put up some points, got out of his funk. So if we, if we can get that team to come to Troy – and, God, come to Mobile and, and do some good. I feel like Arkansas State will, 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 will have a good legitimate shot of coming away with some wins there.
2: On the women's side, it continues to be UTA and Troy. Troy kind of got back in the winning ways there after falling. They've now won four straight. They had 50 points in the paint against South Alabama. They're a big physical team, not a perimeter shooting team, shooting only 26% from three point and they lead the conference averaging 50 rebounds as a team. <laughs> the a late Trojans are just, just dominant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks honestly, um, and we talked about it on the men's side, you know, you, you see teams that are streaking, right? You, you get out there and you say, all right, who, who's playing well right now. And who's not, um, you know, you, Arlington, Texas Arlington's playing very well. They're at the top of the standings with Troy, um, you know, keep an eye on Texas state on the women's side too. They, they don't have a great overall record, um, you know, but you're sitting kind of in the back there, you know, three winners of three in a row, only two games back in the loss column. So um, you, you could have a fun finish there the next couple of weekends uh, on, on the women's side. And that's what you want, right? If you're, if you're a team right now and in February, you're looking up with five, six, seven games on the calendar, um you, you want to be in the mix you want to have a shot and say hey go get a regular season title because as we know uh you know due to the tv contracts as well if you're a regular season title holder you're playing postseason basketball you know you're you're going to the nit or the or the women's nit and and uh that's you know you're, you're continuing to go and, and uh you're playing march basketball which there's only you know out of the 350 some D- division one teams You know, to say you're still playing uh, after others are not uh, is certainly an accomplishment.
1: You know, an anecdotal story here. Arkansas State was supposed to play ULM at ULM on Thursday, had a leak in the roof of the basketball arena. We had to postpone that game. Now, I want some answers from you, Thibodeau. Are the donors just not coming in and, and bringing enough caulk? The mold and crap on top of
2: Fant Ewing Coliseum would have been a nice impenetrable seal <laughs> of Fant Ewing, but it, apparently it was not. Yeah, I mean it's not good when you're when your your facilities aren't up to par and, and you got to postpone games. Luckily, Arkansas State has to come back through the Monroe area after going south to Louisiana Lafayette. So that game will be played Monday night. But at, at the same time, it it's it's almost a why do we have to play it? ULM, losers of 11 straight, 0-8 in conference play. It has not been competitive. You know what? That I'll said, tell you the reason. They have traditionally won one conference game. Outside of the Arkansas State game on Monday, they will play at the Texas schools. Write it down that ULM will wind up going in and beating UTA just because that's the way the Warhawks
1: roll. Well, I tell you exactly, not just for that reason, but there's another big reason that we've got to play that game is because Arkansas State is completely falling apart without their best player who is out for the season. She has a uh, uh, torn ACL, I believe. And ever since then, they have not been able to pick up a win. So we were counting on that ULM game with the ULM uh, Warhawks women being in such disarray right now. We needed that W. And to have that uh, to have that game canceled was a big blow to, to everyone. But we are glad that they rescheduled. It's good that. It, it's, is it amazing to me that uh, somehow a game that's postponed can be rescheduled and have it happen again? I know that they were coming back through, but it seems like if the women could do it, the men could do a little bit of that, too. That would be right. And then, of course, something also had said earlier about the men's uh, or I think we've all said it. The Maybe Dusty said it. I'm trying to give somebody credit. But we're talking about uh, COVID and how crazy COVID made the beginning of the year that worked for the women too. In fact in some ways the, the covid hit the women even harder. So now we're we're about to see who's really good and who's really not. And it looks like it's going to be UTA and the and the Troy Trojans.
2: Yeah, just three of the 11 teams on the women's side have played the full 10 game slate to date. So, you know, it, it's definitely been impactful on that side as well. Shifting gears, this past week was Christmas in February. Oh. National Signing Day, where we get to see the fruits of all the recruiting rumors, all the official visits pay off. Yeah. With different teams around the Sun Belt Conference announcing their signing class. Huge, huge signing day in that Georgia Southern was actually kind of the one that came out on top, at least with the biggest name, with Terrence Gibbons, a four-star running back out of Winter Park, Florida, making the commitment to go to Statesboro. He was a one-time Florida commit part of the rivals, 250 at the time, I think it's exciting. Anytime we can get that level of talent in the conference, it's just going to help project the conference even bigger, better, faster, stronger.
1: Well, right okay. away, I think Clay Hilton sort of justifies whatever investment, whatever mysterious investment uh, Georgia Southern has, has, has invested into Clay Hilton. And, and, and that's kind of why you, to me, that's why you make that splash higher. Is that the recruiting benefit is going to be big right away? You know they're going to have those connections. He had probably been talking to that kid long before he had ever uh, been involved with Georgia Southern. I, I don't know that for sure. I'm just thinking that might be the case, and that's why sometimes I think maybe Louisiana kind of missed the board, missed the boat a little bit about staying in the house when they could have had that juice to bring in somebody that had some really deep connections with some really big talent. But yeah, good for Helton for bringing uh, uh, Georgia Southern, uh, that kind of notoriety. And quite frankly, that program needed it.
2: I thought it was interesting also that they signed two quarterbacks. One was kind of a pro style. One was kind of a option based. It's it's like they're, they're kind of dipping their toes of getting away from that triple option. But mm-hmm. just in case we're going to have our guy that can win the triple option.
0: And they went out and hit the transfer portal as well, which is, is the presumed starter from my conversation with some guys down there, uh, someone with experience, so you're not just rolling out uh, basically two freshmen to say, here, kid, get, get you some. Um, and, and I think that will help. Um, they still have, obviously, some scholarships available. Um, now it's really a full Clay Helton spring practice, too. And as we know, the transfer portal never stops. So they could certainly sign some guys uh, continuing in April, May, uh, June um, and getting guys on campus for summer, but uh, you know, yeah, they definitely had a splashy name. But uh, I, I will have to give a a hat nod uh, to the uh, to Jeremy's Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, this is uh, Butch Jones's second uh, second class, and uh, they take the take home the title for in the twenty four seven rankings as the number one uh, class, which. Uh, certainly should be commended. We we know uh, Butch Jones's uh, background. We know he's an elite recruiter when it comes to identifying talent and reeling them in. Uh, been been pretty impressed by that uh, by that haul that he got uh, there in Jonesboro.
1: Yeah, A State fans very happy with that. Um, uh, and that's one again, kind of like uh, with uh, Coach uh, Helton. You know, you bring in a guy like Jones not necessarily for the X's and O's, although X's and O's are good. You bring him in because you want to see uh, talent that you normally don't get come into your door. And that's what he and his staff have been able to do. You know, when uh, he, he took the, the helm from Coach Anderson, he, 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 he inherited a team that didn't have any uh, uh, first or second team Sunbelt uh, preseason uh, all, all Sunbelt players. Uh, And there's a big reason for that. We just didn't have that talent anymore. It wasn't there. It was gone. Uh, There's probably a million reasons why Anderson wasn't able to to bring that in. Uh, I won't think about them or to discuss them right now, but Jones came in and said, hey, listen, I got to bring in some better guys. You know, Appalachian State's bringing in great guys. Georgia State's bringing in great guys. All these guys are bringing in great guys and we're bringing in sort of reclamation projects uh, too many too often. So that's really good that Jones has been really concentrating on offensive line. He's been concentrating on the defense, brought in some really good guys uh, transfers from like Alabama. So we're very excited about that. But one thing that you just mentioned about Georgia, Georgia Southern and, and the guys that they're bringing in the quarterbacks, for instance, Benko told us he was like, Hey, or uh, the AD for Georgia Southern. He said, "Uh, we kind of, Teased him a little bit, said is the is the uh, is the triple option dead in Statesboro, and and he kind of ruffled a little bit. He was like, hey, we're not just a a a, a uh, triple option school. We do sort of a triple option. But it's not real triple option. He kind of hemmed and hawed about that. So I, I feel like everybody's sort of uh, at least kind of on that page to move away from the triple option in Statesboro.
2: I think the guy in the signing class for Coastal Carolina that I'm most excited about, DeAndre Coleman, a composite four-star receiver there from 24-7, guy had over 1,200 yards receiving. I think this could be the new Isaiah Likely of the Chance.
1: Yeah, it seems like the Chance really reloaded. Um, uh, Ben, I'd like to hear your opinion on that. You guys are much closer to me, but all I saw... From uh, national pundits like the Athletic, talking about uh, how good the Chanticleers did in terms of the transfer buyer and uh, and recruiting.
0: Yeah, and I and I, I echo um, you know Dusty's thoughts on Coleman. Uh, he actually is, is from the exact same high school as Jameis Winston uh, there in Hueytown, Alabama. Um, they they've done a really good job at. at at, at kind of hammering Florida, that's where uh, you know I, I think the vast majority of their class is from. Uh, they do sprinkle in Georgia. They obviously use the transfer portal well as well, stealing from Georgia State as well, bringing back native son Sam Pinkney uh, into the fold, um, who who is from. Um, you know, played, played high school uh, football in Greer, South Carolina. So he's going to be, uh, you know, suiting up for the chance. And and uh, as Coastal actually comes to Atlanta to play Georgia State, there'll be a little bit extra in that game uh, with one of the former players there. Uh, they're already a rival. But, um, you know, that's that's always the next question, too. You know, finding the next guy to potentially replace Grayson McCall or if he is not ready, uh, a guy by the name of Bryson Archie here in McEachern, um, in Powder Springs, Georgia, just uh, one of the suburbs of metro Atlanta, one of the top um, quarterbacks in the state of Georgia in a loaded class this, this year uh, with, with one of the top, uh, top players there. So um, you, you see Jamie Chadwell and his staff being able to kind of spread their wings and grab guys. And I, I think they do have some opportunities and scholarships available too. So if there are guys who may, you know, fall out of favor at a power five may, may look up and be third string at the end of you know, spring practice, uh, they still have spots available and and uh, certainly have, have, you know, put together a good class that which could be even better.
1: So, Dusty, you and Ben have your finger, fingers on the pulse of recruiting in the Sun Belt. I, I really would like your thoughts on the weirdest recruiting philosophy of the Sun Belt, and that's of Texas State. What did they do? So, They
2: went in the portal. They actually got your quarterback there of Lane Hatcher. What? In all indications, he's destroying the film room while he's at Texas State and going all in to really make a big name for himself there. sounds like him. I think that he's, he's going to be the difference maker this year. I think that that is going to be the starting quarterback for the Bobcats come the fall. I think you'll see a good competition for that position during the spring but I think it's Lane Hatcher, whether or not that's a true signee or not. I think it is because you, you, you still got to record him. You still got to get him on campus and make sure he stays eligible. That's definitely a recruit in my, in my eyes. So I, I think Texas state wins the, the, the transfer portal battle as well. And I think that that's one of the best recruits. If, if you want to look at it, including those transfer portal guys, one of the best recruits
1: of the Sun Belt conference. Well, Lane Hatcher, you get a guy who's ready to start right away. That's for certain. And he is, without a doubt, a film room rat. Or he, he just likes to study film. He likes to be prepared. Being prepared is one of his favorite things to do. Uh, he likes to have a good rapport with his wide receivers. Didn't work out with Arkansas State, although he sent a lot of passing numbers, or put a lot of great passing numbers that were just incredible. Uh, I think I think you're probably right because it seemed like what was missing a lot from Texas State, they, they always seemed to have potential at quarterback, but that potential never seemed to, to coalesce. You know, there's, there was always a guy, like whether it's Vit or, or the, the other guy that they had from, like, I think Arizona State, they always seemed like they were going to be the guy, and it didn't quite happen. If there's anybody who can provide some leadership for that team, it would be Lane Hatcher.
0: Yeah. And they went and grabbed uh, Dominic Ratliff as well from uh, Louisiana. Uh, another yeah. Sun belt to sunbelt, uh, co- you know, connection there. As We, we have talked about uh, Louisiana, basically uh, the floodgates have opened there. They, they have lost a ton. Uh, I know we haven't talked about them yet uh, with Billy Napier leaving to Florida uh, that entire roster, not only for, as Jay Walker told us a few weeks ago, just talking about the, the seniors and Levi Lewis and everyone exiting, but, they have lost a tremendous amount of talent uh, to LSU They're in state. Some guys have followed him to Florida. Obviously, some coaches, uh, admin have followed him as well. Um, you, I'm very, very interested to see uh, what, you know, Louisiana looks like at the end of things because they did, um, you know, have a decent for them uh, signing period, but you have a brand new coaching staff, right? Um, you know, you you they lost a a lot, uh, only signed, I believe, 12. Um, so that's a v- pretty small class. So they're gonna have room. Um, they're gonna have playing time available as, as we have seen, as they lost some starters and some guys that certainly were impact guys uh there in 2021. So uh very interested to see DeSormo's first uh class, what it ends up looking like and, and if they do you know have to pound the portal just to just to fill fill some holes there.
1: Pound the portal you know what the portal gives you a lot of op- a lot of uh, alliteration options. I call it portal poaching is something that I, I, I say a lot you know uh, pound the portal will be one now one of my new favorite ones to go with so so uh, you know once again this is the education layer that we bring for our viewers our viewers for our listeners of this show. So P- our uh, federal grant makers if you're listening we are accepting federal grant money at any time. Uh, we prefer not to apply because neither of us know how to read or write. Thibodeau, what about the Warhawks? How do they do in the uh, uh, during National Signing Day? Are, has Bowen worked his magic? Bowden. He only had not, not the AD of, of Arkansas State. I'm sorry, Bowden, the head coach of Terry Bowden, the head coach of uh, UL. Bobby's Warhawks. kid, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bobby's
2: sorry. kid. Yeah, that that would go over real well with the interview in him. Uh, You know, the Warhawks were limited on scholarships. A lot of blue shirts from last year still trying to play with the numbers and see who's on scholarship, who's not, who's going to transfer in, out, whatever. Warhawks only had four available scholarships for the spring. And so they took two guys. They got a junior college defensive back and a huge interior lineman out of St. Thomas Aquinas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Had several SEC offers, had offers also in the conference from Coastal and Southern Miss. Rich Rod at Jacksonville State really went out and tried to poach a lot of the ULM prospects. And
3: ah.
2: it worked. Mm. Uh, he was able to flip several, several commits over. So kind of big that ULM was able to hold on to him, knowing that they were dangling the huge carrot of, you know, come make a name for yourself in Conference USA at, uh, with the Gamecocks over there. It'll be interesting to see. I I think ULM is still missing a lot of pieces to really be competitive. And I think going into the spring, there's more, way more questions than there are answers. But this is really the first year of the rebuild of the Warhawks by Coach Bowden, just because last year, by the time he came in, over half his class was already signed for. So he didn't get a chance to really go out and get his guys and get ready to be the difference maker and really flip that uh, that roster over. So I think a lot of guys have left in the portal, so it, that should free up some spots. But at the same time, with all the blue shirts that they have, it's very hard to try to get the missing pieces when you don't have any scholarships.
1: It seems like, and, and you guys are the experts on this, not me, but it seems like this blue shirt sort of situation is common uh, in and around the Sun Belt. I know Arkansas State had issues where uh, they couldn't get a full signing class a couple few years because they just had so many commitments to these to the blue shirt, gray shirt, whatever you want to call it, all the all these different uh, uh, h- hues of uh, uh, different uh, uh, classification of of signees. How do you get in trouble with that? How does that happen?
0: I know from from Georgia State's point of view, it, it they have been. Uh, had a pretty good track record with blue shirts, quite honestly, just simply because guys that were um, either injured uh, in high school, I remember one of the starting offensive linemen was also a wrestler, uh, hurt himself in a state meet, tore up his shoulder pretty bad. So it was one of those scenarios where um, he went ahead and, you know, enrolled, basically skipped that semester, enrolled in January uh, to preserve his time there. Um, so he could kind of get, get the rehab and, and work um, there. It's also, you know, due to numbers, um also back in the day it used to be an academic thing where you had guys that would potentially be partial qualifiers and maybe needed like one semester of a junior college or hey i need to go make a go get a summer school course or things like that there's a lot of different elements to it um and and i think ultimately something that all the sunbelt schools have to do post covid and, and post the ncaa mandated extra year is roster management it's humongous because you have to realize hey there are seniors that want to come back, um, like 85 yeah. year old tight end Aubrey Payne. He was given his 17th year of uh, eligibility uh, the day before yesterday for Georgia State. Shout out to Aubrey. Um, no, he, he he will be as old as his position coach friends. He's actually caught a touchdown pass from his position coach. I think that's a first uh, yeah. in, in college football. But uh, but no, I mean you have to be able to know and and the coaches know and balance as well. Hey, we have guys that have produced and are on our two deep and we want them back and have that extra year. Do they want to come back? So you have to have that marriage, but then also are you stunning the growth from a guy who is just outside that you recruited and said, Hey, I don't want to sit on the bench for another full season or get less reps than I would. So it's really a balancing act. And, and, you know, as I've told a couple of people um, in the last few weeks, this is certainly the age of player empowerment. They know, Hey, if I don't play, I can jump in the portal and be immediately eligible. So um, I think you're starting to see the wave as well from the 2020 to 2021 classes that didn't get a chance to have official visits and going to campuses and they sign maybe sight unseen or just talking to coaches. And as we still see um, there's coordinators moving, you know, all all around, there's position coaches that are moving all around. Um, There's new relationships that have to be founded and the transfer portal is an option for everybody. And then, you know, as you mentioned, the poaching that goes on. Uh, I know uh, I've heard conversations and rumblings of, of two power five programs that have called upon uh, several uh, Georgia State players. Again, this cycle, um, that happens uh, through parents or trainers or, you know, different things like that where they're reaching out. And programs at the Sunbelt level where you have guys that pop um, and may have a good year, you know, the, the Power Five teams can reach out to them and say, hey, you jump in the portal. I got a spot for you. Um, it's it's pretty, pretty enticing.
1: I think that was what the what the big fear was right about the portal that the G5 would somehow become the, the sort of minor leagues for the Power Five. Who could I don't know how I don't know what, <laughs> you know, it's I, I, I don't always know the recruiting rules. Ben and Thibodeau, but it seems to me that it's a little dicey around con- contacting another team's player and sort of even hinting that there might be room for them on your roster if you were to leave that roster. I mean, is that is that common? Does that happen?
2: Apparently, everyone keeps in touch with their old high school coach because mm-hmm. there's no limit to you contacting your high school coach, the college coaches contacting your former high school coach, and there's a lot of coincidental
0: meetings.
1: So your old high school coach then becomes sort of the conduit to that.
0: It's the yeah. old bump rule, right? I, I just happened to bump into the high school coach <laughs> recruiting in the open period. Uh, I, I'll tell you, you know, a name that uh, will be very interesting and we'll be talking about it in August. Uh, Jordan Strawn, uh, who was, uh, who led the nation in sacks, you know, yeah. in 20 uh, for Georgia state with 10 and a half, the outside linebacker rush edge position. Uh, he jumps into the portal. I get notified from our 24-7 national guys who do a great job kind of monitoring the names in the portal and who's going where and who's jumping out and things like that. Um, and basically notified on a Saturday afternoon saying, hey, Jordan, just a heads up, Jordan Strawn is in the portal. And I was, that, that's weird. So started reaching out to people and, and actually reaching out to Strawn's dad and said, yeah, indeed it's true. Um, he He grew up on the border of Georgia and South Carolina and, Literally within 36 hours, he was, hey, I, I, he's, he's a member of Shane Beamer's first class there at South Carolina. Oh, by the way, to add a little bit of intrigue and soap opera, Georgia State opens the 2022 season in South Carolina against Shane Beamer. So, uh, I would imagine there's probably going to be a very tense uh handshake uh pregame between Sean Elliott and Shane Beamer so that should be fun <laughs> uh i'll be i'll be there in williams Bryce Stadium to see it live so that'll be a lot of fun to come up in August but i think that's the difficult part about it um also you throw in the element of NIL into the mix you have these power 5 teams who are saying hey you come here we have this you know war chest of boosters who are willing to give you money um you know I, we, we saw the the not so, uh, not so. Uh, I say, quiet rumors. They were talking about Texas A&M. One of the reasons why they landed seven five stars is because they had a you know booster uh, fund set up there once guys enroll. Um, it's happening. It, it, unfortunately, it has happened for a long time. It's just now. It's almost legalized. Um, I, you know, and I think the NCAA has tried to wait and rely on um, you know federal you know, folks to step in and talk about, all right, these NILs, these kids, basically we're just setting this money up for you to come to Arkansas State or you to come to ULM. And um, I heard an interview um, with Georgia State AD Charlie Cobb, and he talked about it that at the Sunbelt level. It's almost like double-A baseball. You, you have the major leaguers there at the Power Five. and double-A baseball, that's kind of the, the money that we're seeing. Um, there was, I think, 11 players in 2021 from Georgia State that signed NIL deals clothing things like that not a lot of money but walk around money yeah um but you're talking about power five i mean nick saban said it at sec media days that before um before his quarterback took a snap at alabama he was a millionaire due to nil uh attachments and things like that now i don't know if that's factual or not
1: yeah but i'll tell you what i a
0: liar but that's a whole lot of money and very very tempting even if it's just a conversation with somebody in their and their
1: family when the NIL first kind of bubbled to the surface, I think that the intention was walk around money. It wasn't you're going to get rich being an, uh, a student at Texas A&M or whatever. You were going to be able to make enough money to pay off some bills or to be able to, you know, go take your girlfriend out or whatever. It wasn't ever really intended to be let's make, you know, this quarterback at this place a, a, a superstar a endorser of of uh you know chevrolet that just wasn't what it was supposed to do but it's that's what what looks like it's going to happen you know speaking of some of the big name i mean all the big a lot of big name coaches are are, are grousing against it but we have heard can we talk a little bit of news about what happened to former sunbelt coach brian harson is there rumors floating around things are not
0: good good in the harson house so let's just say i think he was on vacation and uh, his players are now <laughs> literally right now on social media asking to speak with the president. So uh,
3: That's what, that happens. There, things it, aren't going well. It was kind of well.
1: like, a, it was like the cat's away. And then the mouse came out to, to, to vice came out to rebel. Yeah. So I saw there were you know,
2: protests uh, and counter protests today in too corner there in Auburn guys uh, liking wanting him to stay guys wanting him to go. My understanding is that it, it, it was pretty toxic culture there. And, you know, we saw it. That's why Caleb Nix wanted to get out of the out of the plains and, and go elsewhere.
1: You know, here's the thing about uh, about uh, Coach Brian Harson, who uh, who had one year at uh, Arkansas State. He followed uh, Hugh Freeze. Uh, he was at the time, I believe, connected with Texas. I think he was an offensive coordinator at Texas at the time. Uh, came over, and and I really was excited to have him because he's a young guy. Uh, he had a lot of juice in Texas. I thought, this guy's going to be a big recruiter, but he's also going to be a good role model because he's so close to age to these guys. Uh, as the months went on, he, he was a really aloof guy, uh, just hard to talk to, hard to get to know. And not in like a, a quirky way. Uh, Hugh Freeze is kind of a quirky, cor- not Hugh Freeze, I'm sorry. Gus Malzahn is a quirky guy. He's almost like a, a, a idiot savant in a way, where he's just football all the time. And you can't really talk to him about, you know, what TV show you've been watching. Uh, Coach Harson was just different in that. You, you could tell he you just couldn't connect with him. And then uh, he, <laughs> there was a time where, Arkansas State got beat by Memphis and by a bad Memphis team. They had they ended up only winning two games that year, and he never really understood uh, how badly Arkansas State fans want to beat Memphis. We just want to beat Memphis. You got to beat them, and he just didn't seem to take the game seriously. Of course, he got lamb blasted on on uh, Twitter, and he just he just blocked everyone. He blocked me. He blocked all the guys covering him. He blocked all the fans. It was nuts. It wasn't just him. He had the Arkansas uh, uh, Arkansas State uh, uh, Twitter account block them all too. I had to like petition myself. I said, like, "Hey, you he, he gotta let me back in." So, it, and it's kind of a joke around uh, at Arkansas State. Have you been blocked by Arson? It's it's sort of a badge of honor. And and when he left. Everybody kind of sighed a little bit. It's like, okay, it's, it's fine. You know, Brian just didn't really fit in here. He just didn't fit in at Arkansas State. And they went to Boise and seemed to do great. And then he comes down to Auburn, and it seems like the same thing kind of happened.
0: Keep, keep in mind, he's from Idaho. Okay, so you – Yeah. You, someone who, certainly with the conversations with the vaccine and things like that, uh, he got very, very prickly about that. Um, we we know certainly uh, all of us uh, have lived in the South, you know, below the Mason Dixon line, uh, especially when the SEC. I mean, they're they're monitoring uh, Instagram. You know, what did his what post his wife like? What are the players <laughs> like? It's it's truly incredible the level of detail that we have seen in this. Uh, I'll put air quotes here for our uh, for our listening audience reporting. Um, But it's been pretty incredible. And, um, you know, to see what will happen. And and we know certainly at the power five level, uh, the college boosters and the guys with a lot of money, they run college athletics and they say if if something's not right, they're going to fix it. And here's the here's the money to do it. Um, I I saw somebody post out uh, whatever the buyout numbers Would be, and he would certainly uh, rocket to the top of the list uh, for for buyouts. I believe. Oh, he'll do
1: well. Yeah, yeah, he'll do. He'll do
0: just fine. He'll be able to go back to Boise and. uh, Oh,
1: he'll be a millionaire. Enjoy his time. You're absolutely right, Ben, about the South. If you can't drink whiskey with the boosters, and you know maybe you know play golf with them and those type of things, if you can't rub elbows with guys outside of the gridiron, you're not going to do well. 100%. you know and and they will find a way to backstab you. They there just they, there seem to be kind of some booster backstabbing going on with this Auburn situation. And I don't think Carson really understood that. I think he gets protected up there in Boise, Well, he probably you know, he, he, the way he does things is probably a little more common. But if you're not like a good old boy uh in the, a, a good old boy coach, I mean, you saw well, is it Brian Kelly immediately become a Southerner, as soon as he, he took the LSU job, and he's out there doing family. Yeah, I mean, you gotta do that. I mean, we laugh at it. But you kind of have to do it. And Harson just is not that kind of guy who's gonna do that. I think he's paying that price.
2: So speaking of Brian Kelly, what are y'all's thoughts on his creepy recruiting videos there that he did?
1: <laughs> all right first of all i thought terry bowden was doing some really goofy videos uh to start the season he was sitting in the swimming pool he was doing some other stuff i thought this is some goofy stuff the gold jacket. Works.
3: Awesome.
1: <laughs> those stuff those things kind of work you know you you, you get people go oh it's corny it's it's stupid but it's your guy you kind of get behind that oh look he's 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 kind of uh ingratiating himself with the with the kids he, he 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 doesn't mind you know eating the gumbo and putting on a southern accent so i i, I think that's in the end that's kind of as a, as a head coach that's what you got to do and
0: i and i think ultimately you you have to you know the this gen z um that they're doing <laughs> a lot of things obviously for uh for instagram and tiktok and snapchats and the videos and that you know you're seeing Folks who are a lot more uh, intriguing on the on the videos, and then of course he doesn't sign that that specific prospect he is pictured with, which just makes it worse. He goes to Alabama, but
1: (laughs) that is always embarrassing. Yeah, but
0: but the coaches have to do it, and they know that you have to do it. These coaches don't want to be on Twitter, but they have to be. They don't want to shoot these videos, but they have to be. You know that's what these kids want.
1: So this is a good segue because our guest has just arrived. I want to introduce him as, as a, 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 a consummate Red Wolf, uh, a man who set some, made some really good numbers, especially in 2011, the first uh, year of what uh, I look at as the renaissance year or the uh, of the golden years of Red Wolves football. I'd like us all to welcome uh, former wide receiver for the Red Wolves, Dwayne Frampton. Dwayne, how are you doing?
3: How are you doing, brother?
1: Welcome to the show. How are things going? Last time I saw you, you were you were at the GoDaddy Bowl with interim coach David Gunn, I believe, was yeah. the one coach in the
3: game. Uh, Hugh Freeze had taken off. What's been up since then? A lot of training, uh, giving back, uh, a lot of mixed martial arts, a lot of jujitsu. yeah, a, a lot of that, uh, and um, I kind of took a break from the football scene for a second just because you know, it was a lot of critics out there without our credentials, um, teaching these kids some things that, you know, don't necessarily translate to the game of football. So I kind of got overwhelmed with it and start start fighting again, kind of release some stress. Uh, but then I had to come back into it, man, because my love for the game is just too high. So I'm yeah, back I, now.
1: Yeah, I've seen you on social media. It looks like what you're doing is really taken off. Uh, how do you get? You said I just got
3: back into it. How do you get back into it? Well, I mean, like I said, I kind of took a break from it because I was focusing on MMA, um, just battling a few things that I was going through on my own mentally, you know what I mean? And um, getting back into it, just, you know, reaching out to the contacts that I have at the Division One level, trying to get kids who I feel are worthy, scholarships, legitimate ones, you know what I mean? Committable mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> uh, I- I've noticed a lot of Twitter offers, blessed to receive, blessed to receive, and nothing is committable come signing day. Um, so and then I, I noticed that uh, a lot of these these individuals and uh, I'm not at liberty to speak on detailed names because I don't know them personally, but I've heard certain things with the grapevine that, you know, they're, they're, they're being charged hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes uh, to get a kid an offer that just comes out to not even be an offer, you know, when it's time to sign. Uh, so it kind of hurt my heart, man, because I know what it's like to get a scholarship. You got to work for it. You know, it, it, we didn't – our Twitters wasn't – we didn't have Instagram when I was at A-State. So, you know, it was a little different for us. So um, that's what I meant by getting back into it, man, just doing things right, or at least trying to. So, Dwayne, you go
2: from inner city Los Angeles, staying right there to a junior college there at Harbor. How do you make the transition from Los Angeles to Jonesboro, Arkansas?
3: It was one of the toughest things, man. I, I, I went from – you know, one ten freeway traffic to hearing roosters and seeing all this <laughs> land, and you know I never even heard of Jonesboro, bro. It it was wild, man. The only thing we had at the time was Walmart and that bowling alley. Um, so, so I mean, you know, it was a it was a big culture shock for me. But we still uh, got was, both, by the way. <laughs> was, right, right, right. But it was something that I needed, though. Um, you know, being from where I come from, and then just you know from the gang life, and you know b- being a part of that to actually making a transition and jump. And and at times I had regrets because I felt like if I would have waited to sign, I probably would have went to Kansas State with Coach Schneider. I had other interests, you know. Uh, but I, I, looking back on it, you know, I, I wouldn't have traded it for nothing, man, because as you stated, man, we we, we started something. You know yeah. I and mean? That was beautiful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe Steve Roberts brought you in. Is that right? He did, yes. Coach Freeze was, was the OC.
3: Coach Freeze was the OC when I came in. At first it was Clay Helton. Uh, from Memphis, and uh, and and he, I, I was the first one in his office. Me and Ryan Applin, we were going over the plays because he had everything drawn up for me. Then a day later, he was at USC. So that's when I kind of learned how coaching worked. It's a hire and fire business, you know. <laughs> so um, Steve immediately bought Hugh Freeze in, and the rest was history. Um, we want to ask you a little bit about Hugh Freeze, but we
1: were talking a little bit about some past coaches from the Sun Belt. Hugh Freeze was one of them. Hugh Freeze, that was his first college gig as a as a, uh, as a a head coach in college. What was he like at that point? Would he, you, you know, he came in with all this sort of background, and then he really did a great job of, of of leading that team to 10
3: victories. Tell me a little bit about Hugh Freeze and what it was like playing for him. Man, it's like the father that I never had, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I always had an attitude and a chip on my shoulder because of where I come from. You know, and I'll never forget it was, a, it was a situation where, you know, we had 5 a.m. with Coach Arcee, and I just did not – I was just not feeling it. It was just one of those days. And um, Coach Freeze came up to me, and he asked me an honest question. He was saying, Frank, you know, how many of your friends or comrades back at home, you know, are dead or in jail? And um, I said, a lot of them, why? And he said, uh, you know, how many of them do you think would love to trade places with you? And that that's – that I, I remember that 10 years later. You know what I mean? He he is the reason why I've grown to appreciate things. Um, you know, he is the reason why I talk to God often. You know, he told me I have not because I ask not. So I asked God to allow me to be top 10 in the nation when my senior year is done, though I got hurt. Um, I mean, I finished ninth in the country. You know what I mean? So he had a lot to do with my personal development as a young man. And um, maybe one day I, I could go coach for him. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be great. Are you still yeah, in contact yeah, with yeah, of course. We talk. We talk often.
1: We talk often. Yes, sir. So you had said something that had really uh, kind of piqued my interest, and this might pique the interest of, of Ben and, and uh, Dusty, too, since they're so connected with this sort of recruiting world. You talked about that there's a lot of, lot of I don't know, well, because college football is such big business now, with of big course. business that attracts uh, con men and, and and fraud and stuff how is, difficult is it for a kid who who has talent who's good at playing football or good at playing any sport really could get a scholarship maybe not very sophisticated in that landscape how easy it is it, how easy it is is it for them to be conned in some way
3: oh uh, th- that's that's exactly one of the primary reasons why I got back into the sport because it's happening Uh, uh, too much. You know what I mean? It's a repetitive cycle as of late of give me 10 grand, 20 grand. I'll take your kid to take all of these pictures um, and he's going to get an offer, but it's not going to be committable. But they don't tell the parents that they just see, look, I did what I said I was going to do. Now I can't help it. The school doesn't accept it. This coach left. It's so bad, man. And now you have this transfer portal. I mean, where it's no safety for nobody. You know, so it kind of dampens the skill set of the senior in high school, you know, because a coach, for example, Lincoln Riley has done a great job at at, at getting the transfers because he's expected to rent effectively immediately. You know, all of these coaches changes, coaching changes, excuse me, has come. And they would rather get an athlete, in my opinion, who's already primed and ready, you know, versus a young kid. that They got to kind of develop. Uh, you know, which they would have to anyway. I'm just saying right now it's much easier. So it hurts the 22s, not more so junior colleges, I mean, in a way, but more so the high school kids who are talented enough but don't get a fair shake. So you're a guy that that never always
2: got the fair shake there but went to Arkansas State straight out the gate, 700 yards, six touchdowns, honorary all sunbelt. What was it that you did that really made yourself stand out during your time at Arkansas
3: State? Great question. I consumed myself with football. I was consumed. I, I essentially, like, after the – I remember, I'll never forget. We played FAU, um, and it was a day game. It was, like, at 12. And, man, I stayed up there, and I just, just kept running routes on air, you know. And all of my teammates, DeMario, Ryan, Philip Butterfield, Kelsey McRae, Joe – I mean, everybody was just like, "Fram, go home. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not going home. I want to go feed my family. I want to go to the NFL. So I consumed myself. I, I watched film every day. I bro- I learned how to break it down from Exos. I, I-, I made the trainer uh, use a jug machine after games, before games. I just, I lost myself in it, man. And I think it serves me well. It was a bit of a gift and a curse because I overtrained, you know, so <laughs> I was hurt. But I, I, I didn't care at the time, man. The, the the yards and everything, when I got them and all of the accolades from being on the Fred Bluntnikoff Award watch list and everything else, I wasn't mm-hmm. surprised because of the work that I put in.
2: All that work. What's your favorite memory at Arkansas State? What's the one game that you still remember to this day? All of them, man.
3: But <laughs> if, I had, if I had to say, oh, Lord. Um, of course, scoring at first against Auburn, of course. Uh, but I, I would say just the college football atmosphere like that sticks out to me the most. And it was so loud in there was we played Virginia Tech my senior year and it was third down, man. And they were J. Ron Hosey was on Jarbo and, and, and Kyle Fuller and Antoine Exum were bracketing me. And it was third and 10. And it was so loud. I mean, I couldn't hear myself think. I, I think about that often. And I tell my son that like you next, you next It's a feeling, man, that you can't describe. Yeah, I remember that game. We should have won that game. We should have. We was up. <laughs> I don't know what happened,
1: man. I'm still bitter about it. Yeah, but, me too. But, uh, uh, Frampton had tremendous games. In fact, I remember uh, just uh, being on Twitter, our favorite, our favorite uh, platform. And anytime uh Frampton made a big catch, I'd have to shout, "Frampton comes alive!" So there it, it was, is.
3: <laughs> it was, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it it was.
1: It was always great to to watch you in action. It was always tremendous. Um, ben, did you have a question? Because you were you were you.
0: Yeah, kind of... no, I, I was gonna. Uh, and and uh, good good to meet you. I, and uh, I work with twenty four seven sports, and I, and I echo what you nice. said. Um, you know, just specifically about telling these young people, and I, I talk to the parents and these kids all the time uh, about the difference between even coaches keeping them warm versus a committable offer. We see that a yes, lot. Sir hearing from them and they're blowing me up and they're sending me mail or they sending me pictures. I can throw on my Instagram trying to let them know, look, they probably are doing that to about 35 other kids as well. So
3: Mm.
0: Hey, do you have an offer? Is it committable? If I wanted to commit today, um, that's critical information. And honestly, if you have a coach that, um, that says no, or Hey, if I, if I wanted to commit, is this offer committable? If I want to commit to you right now, will you take my offer? And they say, no, well, you probably need to look, move on because they're waiting to somewhere else. There's a different board and, and being, yes, to, sir. I think your message is a big one. Obviously you, you went through that process Um, and obviously the impact that you have. And, and I wanted to, you know, obviously we, we can get to it either now or later, but, uh, you know, plug yourself as well. I, I just found you on Twitter and followed you there. Um, looks like you also got a foundation as well uh, to plug where folks can find you because uh, we we are we are worldwide, uh, obviously here on the on the worldwide web. So folks that they can get all, get in touch with you um, and kind of get um, what you're doing and, and what you're doing for young people, certainly 22, 23s moving
3: forward. Yes, sir, 100. And 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 again, I'm not against like for the 25s, 24s. I'm not against them even getting something that's probably not committable just to get the ball rolling for them. You know, I kind of, I kind of respect that, that, that too because, you know how it goes, man. You work for 24/7 Sports. I know you know how it goes where this kid is overlooked, that kid is overlooked, and he's damn good. You know, he could be extremely talented, but he just didn't have that extra push. So that's where I come in. You know, I get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, man, and I, and I, I hit up all of my contacts. You know, and, and by God's good grace and favor upon me, I did well in the college rank. So I'm respected, you know, in that world. You know what I mean? So when I when I need something done, I'm not going to give anybody a product that is worth it. You know, it did, I mean, these men provide for their family with this job. So if they bring in something, it got to be right as well. You know what I mean? That's like if I called you, like, hey, brother, can I give my guy these stars? and be Like, Frank, it's trash. Hell no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I have to respect that, but I would never send you no ill product. So, you yeah, know, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, sir. Definitely. Uh, I had one uh, one
1: request from you. Uh, you're still there. OK. I had one request for you. I was wondering if you can give a little bit of advice to parents out there who has a, a son or a daughter who's being recruited and a lot of times you'll get people come up and go, Hey, you know, I, I'll get, I'll shoot you a video. It'll cost $500, but you got to have it for huddle. Or, or I, I, you know, I can get you in contact with these coaches. If you kind of let me represent you, what's, what's your biggest advice that you have for parents who
3: really don't know how to navigate this landscape? Um, great point, brother. I think, um, and again, I'm just going to speak, Just for my little time being back into this wave of the football portion, because I don't know the the infinitesimal rulings, you know what I mean? I don't know everything about it, but what I will tell them is they need to get more involved with the recruiting process. If it's not a dead period, um, the parents, in my opinion, need to reach out to the coaches. They need to find somebody that they trust who have been who has been through the division 1 ranks from a recruiting perspective actually signing the national letter of intent understanding like uh, like the man just said um you know is this offer committable if if such if Nick Saban called my phone today and said Frank we want to offer this kid and I know it was Nick that's committable cuz Nick called my phone then I'll tell the parent it needs to be more handlers who've been through this experience to lead these parents if they're blind to it You know, the language I know is not colloquial, it's obtuse to them. So they may not be, uh, you know, abreast or, or, or up to speed with how it works. So, again, my advice to them in a nutshell would just be to find somebody that you can trust that's more involved, who's been there, who's done that, you know, not just from a coach. It's a lot of coaches who don't even know how to coach. They're just there because they got invited from their old founding member or they got grandfathered into the society. They don't even know how to teach. You know, I see a lot of coaches, man, you can't respectfully, man. I mean, golly, I play. That's like me going to University of Indiana to coach coach, Tom Allen. But I'm I'm a kicker's coach. What? It doesn't work. I'm not going to be able to teach them how to kick the ball. That's not my thing. But you're seeing that a lot. So, like I said, it, and how what does that mean for the parents? Just being more involved, be more proactive. Don't just leave it on the kid and he's 707 clubs and coaches don't do that you call you pick up the phone this is your child's future because I mean I remember what it was like and if somebody tells me at 17 years old and my dreams and aspirations to go to college and you telling me come the 25th of December if I all of my grades I went to summer school that I can't leave because this offer that you promised me I could get is not committable dude that 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 sucks man that's playing with a
2: kid's future With all that said, though, there's there's still a lot of stigma about, oh, well, that kid went to junior college or he's going D2 or NAIA. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you know, I have have a son that's a student athlete, wants to get into the coaching side. But when he was still wanting to play, if they're paying the bills, it doesn't matter what level it is. Now, I know D3, you're, you're, you're not getting as much scholarship money. There's technically no scholarship money, but you're all on the academic side. What have you seen there where where you've helped kids even get to these, quote, unquote, lower levels that are still getting the bills paid?
3: Man, listen, (laughs) two plus two is four. So is three plus one. So is five minus one. So Ah. is two times two. Damn it. Go to school. We're not getting caught up. Well, at least for me, I don't get caught up in all of that stuff, man. You are making the you're giving yourself an opportunity to have new experiences. Life is short. You create new memories. Whether you got to go, Juco, I, I thank God for junior college because it made me more mature. You know, it made me understand that I'm on my own. I think a majority of kids, if they don't have two-parent homes or an uncle or a father figure, I think that Juco will be the best thing for them, you know, in my opinion, man. And then it's also, it's a free education man. I mean, go, who cares? Pierre Garçon went to a D3 and got drafted. He got drafted out of there. So that, that, the NFL's job is to come and find you. That's what they get paid for. Mm. You know, so I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed. Now, of course, we all want to play in front of 90,000. I get it. I was fortunate enough to do so. But that's not for everybody. And you get more dogs at lower level division schools than you get, you know, at division one schools. Because once you get there, everybody feel like they made it. And they don't want, they don't have aspirations. Well, at least from my experiences, a lot of people don't have aspirations to go play in the NFL. So complacency kicks in, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I I love I love it, man. I love the grind. I love the dog days. I love the North Dakota states of the world and, you know, the HBCUs. You know, Dion has done a great job in switching that wave, you know what I mean, changing that outlook on how that should be looked at, you know. So, no, I, I love it, brother.
1: Dwayne, can you, do you have, uh, first of all, great interview. Thank you very much uh, for all yes, your sir. time. Thank and you. thanks for all the input. Uh, that, that's just great uh, advice uh, for anybody who's trying to navigate this, this sort of complex and sometimes sinister world of recruiting. Right, right, right. Do you have
3: something that you would like to plug real quick? Um, not necessarily, man. Just tell, tell all these athletes, man, to just keep, to continue to keep God first. You know, keep working. You know, don't stop the work. Remember but what's the name of your foundation? Work? Oh, oh, oh! The, uh, my, my, my foundation is called the Frampton Foundation. It's where I essentially take young men and um, teach them to be better. Teach them to be better than they were yesterday. Um, you know, teach them to be better than me. You know, um, take them out. We we have manhood hours. We go clean up. We go give to the homeless. Um, just just a lot of stuff, man, that I wasn't privileged to have. If I would have had a me. You know, uh, my life—I would—I would have went through things that weren't that weren't so uh, detrimental mentally that I'm paying for it now. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I just want to tell the kids out there, man, to keep God first and remember Him in prosperity, so He could, you know, remember you in adversity because it's going to happen. You know.
2: One last thing I have for you, your quarterback Ryan Appleton—he's—he's he's now coaching at Georgia Southern. What's the scoop yeah. you got on us? What what can we? When we talk to Ryan Applin, what what can we bring up to where he knows we were talking with Franklin? I'm open.
3: Always. <laughs> oh, that's why that you got to tell him. You'll you tell him like, hey, uh, hey who was the guy at Arkansas State who used to just always say, I'm open? I don't care if it's double covered, <laughs> triple. Just throw the damn ball. I'm open, dude. He's, he's gonna say josh jarbo
1: or, uh, or uh me and jarbo was about McKinney. to fight so
3: many times because, Jason it, was all, it was all love too but i was like shut up i'm quicker than you i'm fast and he was like Man, you I'm like so much. look at the stats me, i mean but i was like stockmer oh stock no stock is just calm me down stock is my michael phelps he'll say Frank, let's go swim let's just relax <laughs>
1: All right, Dwayne Frampton, thank you very much for the interview. Yes, sir. Uh, thank guys, you, gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate it. You're a legend of the Sunbelt. We've been in- interviewing legends of the Sunbelt for the last few months, and we appreciate you
3: taking the time. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys, man. Continue to pay it forward. All right. Yes, sir.
0: Thanks, Dwayne. Good luck with the foundation, man. Take care. That was awesome, dude. Good, good, Jeremy.
1: I, it wasn't me. It was. It was. It was. It was Dusty. Um, Sorry,
0: you said Dusty on- Thibodeau reaching yeah, out just to my him.
1: backyard and grabbing guys. Wow. He's got,
0: yeah, he's got. He's got quite a bit of uh, of a following. Um, and I will tell you, I mean, he's got pictures with trees and different things like that. Um, you know, he's if you know. I'm interested to some if somebody and especially a former coach comes and grabs them and and well, start to coach wide receivers. You certainly want somebody of his caliber
1: to oh, definitely and his young story people and know, knowing
0: one. knowing his character just from obviously talking to him there. Um, he's, he seems to have got his priorities in, in shape and, and there's people out there that do it. Um, there's an article I didn't even send it to you guys, but. Uh, one of the Georgia State former running backs in the early years, in the early aughts of the season that end up getting kicked off um, with in uh, Trent Miles' early, early seasons, of the guys that's uh, attached to these D1 prospects, D1 recruiting, who, hey, send me $2,500 via Venmo mm-hmm. and I'll get you offers or I'll get you this or I'll get you this or I'll get you on this list and get you on that, and then he ghosts people. I can tell you because I know the kid and I've talked to him. Uh, Daddy was a truck driver. Mom, non-existent, had her own issues. The kid's basically been on his own since he was like 13 or 14 years old. He was a train wreck. And I'm not stunned that he's doing that and he's being associated with it. And the worst part about it, I mean, he's – from what people have told him, I think USA Today or somebody has jumped in there and done the interview, and it's it's several hundred thousand dollars. Like there, there will be legal action that comes across to this kid because they've promised all this stuff. And
1: yeah, gotten, you know, it's it's
3: funny.
1: you know, I said you know that victims of this can be sort of people that aren't quite sophisticated, mm-hmm. don't know the the ropes of these things, but it can, happens to just about everybody, and it doesn't just about football. My son uh, played lacrosse and in lacrosse, especially in the South, uh, you can be have moderate skills and get D3. uh, Not like Dusty said, you can't get a scholarship for 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 D3, but you can work out a, a. a uh, scholarship for academics that kind of works in a way, there's ways to do it, but he was getting offers and and there were people like saying, well, you gotta get film and you gotta, you gotta, you know, have somebody representing you in some ways. And here's, I got some secret information that for, you know, $250 you could have to, to get you into the inside world of scholarships and stuff. It's a big business and it can be a big con business. If you aren't looking out for yourself, I think the best advice I ever heard was just stick with your high school coach. Let the high school coach kind of do it. I disagree.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. Cause, cause, Cause you have to understand the high school coaches, a lot of times also are teaching other classes as well. They don't have a lot of time. Mm, okay. Um, I speak. I can speak for me again. I, I didn't play football. I played basketball in high school. Uh, my my head basketball coach had a full load of teaching, basically, um, and wasn't the football coach in Georgia. So you're not the athletic director. You're not all getting. Right, good. Right. Um, so so the tough part about for him is you can't go actively, you know, pedal your kids out, right? and, and now, yes, you have. Recruiting liaisons, and, and that's who I a lot of times communicate with at these schools. When I go out in the fall, I'll go hit five, six, seven high schools and go see fall practice and see kids and things like that guys that maybe are a little undervalued, but it's extremely difficult right now. And especially when you think about a football roster, right? Even at the high school level, you're 40, 50, 60 kids, even sometimes and more. Um, we're trying to get that film out constantly. Um, it's difficult. It's why you see these trainers and these seven on seven teams come in and and the really, really even, you know, not even elite talent, not the five star guys, you know, but I live locally where Cam Newton has a seven on seven. And and he has it, it's a pretty strong following. He's, he's in with a lot of trainer groups and groups that way. And I have heard kind of in the rumor circle, if you're not in in with them, you don't have access to those athletes and you will not sign them.
1: But before we, we wrap this up and say maybe we're taking a little hiatus next week, Dusty, give me your best pitch or plug. Exciting times. As always, Warhawks 2-0 and 0 over the
2: weekend, looking to build on that momentum as they get ready to host the Texas schools. Active message boards on com, and always looking forward to it. Also, follow us on Twitter
0: at FunBeltPC.
1: Definitely more people, the better. How about you, Ben? What you got?
0: Yeah, the Panthers, uh, as we talked about a little earlier, three of four, now go to the Carolinas to, uh, to face the defending Sunbelt title uh, representatives of the Sunbelt to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're a little, little bit of revenge game there uh, up in Boone on Saturday, but first a trip to uh, Cliff, Cliff Ellis in coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers. As we, uh, we know, they can be pesky uh, as the sea chickens, as I, uh, I like to call them uh, lovingly. Uh, so it should be fun there, and, and uh, obviously still a couple scholarships left for Sean Elliott and the Panthers uh, on the football side of things, and there could be a signee this week. We'll see. Ooh. A little tease there. Still the waiting on one guy to uh, potentially send his letter of intent in. Uh, he was hoping to take a visit in January. Did not happen, and he comes from the prep school rank, so that means he's uh, he's got a little extra football uh, in his career. So tune in to PantherTalk.com for the very latest.